Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, the podcast about comic books hosted by two brothers, one of which is me, Kevin Hines. And I am the other one, Will Hines. And we are two comedian improvisers. Uh, Both of us work and teach at the UCB Theater. Uh, I do that at the New York location, and Will does that at the Los Angeles location. Right, Will? That's right. UCB stands for Upright Citizens Brigade. It is um, uh, an improv and sketch comedy theater. Uh, Kevin and I are both extremely funny. Um, Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm in Oslo, Norway. Yeah, and people might find that interesting. I think so. So... um, I'm here teaching some improv workshops, but the podcast must go on. So through technology, we are recording an episode. We're not letting Will's gallivanting across the globe Mm -hmm. stop you from hearing us talk about the Hulk. That's right. I travel across the world in a real irresponsible way, just like a Mm -hmm. gadfly, just going where I please, causing chaos, much like much like the Hulk. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. You are the Hulk of international travel. Um, and, and by and the way, we, we are talking about the Hulk this season. The, this is our third season. Mm-hmm. The first season was about Fantastic uh, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. The second season was about the Fantastic Four, and the third season is about the Incredible Hulk. That's right. We're doing the first six issues and the original run that were done by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Today, we're doing issue three. Yeah, which uh, is, this is a it's a bonkers, bonkers issue. Bonkers. Maybe my favorite issue. Maybe my favorite. This is the funniest comic book issue I think I've ever read. <laughs> uh, not me. Doesn't mean to be funny. And it is re- it is good in a lot of ways, but it is, I think it's the craziest single Jack Kirby issue I've ever read, all things considered. I will say issues three and to a lesser extent four and five have imprinted on me what all six issues feel like. And yeah. that they just feel crazy and constantly changing. It's such a departure from what happened before, <laughs> but not completely losing everything. It's It's... I don't know. It's it's issue three is why I think everyone should read these first six issues just to see this happen. <laughs> I mean, the, issue three is a good time. Like issue three yeah. is uh, in in the parlance of young people. I will say that issue three is wild. If you truly love the Hulk and just like like the Hulk, the, the movie Hulk or whatever, probably you should read issue one and then like read the first twenty issues of Tales to Astonish with the Hulk in it. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's more traditional more true. Hulk. Yeah. yeah, but these first six issues are more fun and more important to me, at least. What if you were Jack Kirby and you're making these comics and there basically is nobody holding you accountable to anything? And if you change your mind and think that the Hulk should suddenly be a traveling salesman who drives a convertible, you could do it. If you think that the Hulk should suddenly have heat vision, uh, all right, throw it in there. That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. It's also crazy because I was looking at when this issue came out. And at the time this issue came out, Fantastic Four is already rolling along. Ant-Man is doing his Ant-Man thing. Right. Um, Strange Tales hasn't even started doing fi- Human Torch solo stories. I think maybe Amazing Fantasy 15 comes out around this time. Thor has just started, but there's no Iron Man. Captain America is not is not back yet, I don't believe. Or if he is, he's just barely back. No, he's not back yet. Yeah. So the Avengers hasn't even started yet. So it's so early Marvel. It almost makes it even crazier that it's changed so much. It's like Marvel comics should have ended. Yeah. Like, it, like they had one hit, the Fantastic Four. They had Ant-Man, who cares? Right. And then they had this Hulk comic that was just 
constantly going. <laughs> I don't know, it just keeps changing what it is. I mean, but I think this also maybe is why Marvel worked, which is they had this, uh, you know, these super talented storytellers, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Stan Lee, um, who were kind of trying everything. They're not locked into a formula. And they were maybe, you know, they were, they, they did change. They didn't stick on the bad stuff. This stuff all becomes good. So like they would throw out wild ideas, but then just move on. You know, it was their willingness to change so fast, both produces insane stories that make you think they're crazy, but also produces ultimately the classic, you know, Marvel comics of all time. I guess the Hulk feeling like a failure because it does six issues. It gets canceled. It didn't sell well enough. They never settled on what this comic was. Right. It might be why everything else debuted in anthologies. It might be why Thor and Iron Man and even Spider-Man initially started in all these tales to astonish and tales of suspense and amazing fantasy. Cause they're just like, we can't start a comic book and have it fail like this. Yeah. Uh, even when they brought the Hulk back, they didn't go Hulk issue seven. They went to they put him in Tales to Astonish, like he had to prove himself before they could give him his own title again. That, yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah, they wanted to the, putting it in an anthology means oh, if it doesn't work, we'll just drop it. Yeah. Um, can I do something? Um, yeah, do it. I'm, uh, I want to read an email we got now. Oh, interesting. I love this. And then if we have time, we can read more emails at the end because it's an email that I'm embarrassed. To get that I did not know this. Okay. And I think you will feel the same. Great. I'm already okay. feeling bad. I already feel bad. So if you want to email us, email us at screwitspidey at gmail and tell us why we don't know things. Yeah. Hey, this is from uh, Tony Labra. Okay. Hey, we know that issue six was drawn by Steve Ditko. Uh, I guess Kirby started to get more and more books thrown on his plate and something had to give. But according to... Uh, this uh, Marvel fandom wiki issue two was a joint effort by Kirby and Ditko. The splash page only credits Stanley and Jack Kirby, but we saw this all the time in the early Marvel books. It doesn't wasn't until later on where Stan started recognizing inkers, letters, and Irving Forbush. I can see a lot of Ditko in this issue's art, especially the women. Hulk looks more like Boris Karloff's Frankenstein than the Hulk we see in issues three through five. Those have Kirby teamed up with Dick Ayers for more classic Hulk presentation. Uh, nothing against Steve Ditko, but in the Marvel Universe where Jack Kirby exists, I gotta have a Kirby-drawn Hulk. Anyway, I looked into it, uh, and he's 100% right. Issue 2 is for sure inked by Steve Ditko, and possibly heavily inked. Like, heavily, like, it might be l- some loose layouts in there. That totally makes sense, because I remember we observed that the Hulk looks more like a zombie and less like the Hulk that he did in Issue 1. So it makes sense there's another artist... You know, namely Ditko messing around with stuff. I, I'm embarrassed. I never thought about that. Yeah, and like the first three pages feel almost like a different book, and it feels like maybe that was just a looser thing that Ditko added on on very loose layouts. Like there's certain pages that look more Ditkoish than other pages. Yeah, like the Toad people are sort of grotesque monsters instead of like handsome jacked Igor. Um, <laughs> right. It feels like a little bit of a Ditko book. Yeah, I am. I'm totally convinced. I got that email and I was like, I can't believe we missed a chance to talk about Ditko for an entire podcast. We blew it. Yeah, because we probably could have. I'm sure there's layouts and panels that are that are super Ditko-y. Yeah. Um, Tony, you were right to email us and we are ashamed. Yeah. Uh, thank you for emailing us. I can't believe we didn't acknowledge that or know that to talk about it. Anyway, Steve Ditko is not involved in this issue that we're going to talk about now. We think. Unless Tony calls up and tells us. 
Yeah, I mean, he, I th- would think he would have told us now. That would be a real cruel trick by Tony. Issue three. What is it even called? Uh, the title of this issue? Uh, it, it's, it's, there's like two stories in it. Well, the the first, first one's Banished in Outer Space or Banished to Outer Space. Banished to Outer Space. Yeah. This is for sure two separate stories. One setting up a new status quo and then the second one playing with it. So the cover... Um, it's already crazy. It's already crazy. Hulk is flying, so he just has like a new power kind of just thrown on yes. him. He's and he's not he's not just jumping, he's flying. Right. Because there's an army guy pointing at him saying, Look, nothing can stop him now. He can fly. There's a missile chasing him. He's carrying Rick Jones, like sort of a Fay Ray like person just in his palm, kind of, like not that small, but like just like the Hulk's hand is about the size of Rick Jones' torso. Yeah. And Rick is screaming, I can't control him anymore. The Hulk has gone berserk. But in the first two issues, Rick couldn't control him at all. Right. So that he, what he should be saying is, I continue to not be able to control him. Yes. Uh, and I will also say this about him flying. I don't Did I send you the Tom Brevroot blog about him flying? No. So oh, yeah, you did. But I forgot what it said. Man, that's a basically, good Basically, Tom Brevroot believes... It has good reason to, based on this issue and the next issue, uh, that Jack Kirby just basically decided the Hulk could fly. Right. Like, as a part of this changes in this comic, is like, now the Hulk can fly. And it was Stan Lee through dialogue and maybe motion lines that decided he was just jumping really hard. Those are a few panels that are impossible jumps that are definitely flying. But Stan Lee basically, I think, changed this character to be like, this isn't flying, he's jumping. He's jumping, he's not flying. Um but Kirby clearly was trying to make him fly. Interesting. Uh, and it's unclear because no one knows what those discussions were, but it feels like Kirby went away, drew a comic where the Hulk could fly, and then Stanley said, nah, he's jumping. I, that's what it looks, that's what it feels like to me. It definitely does feel like that. And this is one of the weird places where I side with Stan Lee. I think me jumping too. works better. Yeah. Stan, Stan usually is better about like the rules of a hero being like consistent and sort of like respecting the boundaries of the power and stuff like that. And Jack is more like, eh, maybe the human torch, you know, he's powered by like a mechanical engine. It's like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, cause I think Kirby's thinking visual all the time. Just like what makes a fun visual? Who cares right. what the details are that let us do that visual? All right, page one, banished to outer space. We see the Hulk trapped in his underwater chamber that his alter ego, Bruce Banner, designed, and he's trying to pound his way out. Because at this point in the story, Banner turns into the Hulk at at night. The sun sets and he turns into the Hulk, and the sun rises and he turns back to Bruce Banner. And if he's let loose, he'll mostly slap Rick Jones around. He'll, he'll He'll slap Rick Jones horizontal and just randomly rampage in whatever desert town is nearby so they've taken rick jones and bruce banner rick jones teenage sidekick bruce banner the man who turns into the hulk are are locking banner in a chamber at night so that when he turns into the hulk he's trapped and and it looks like it's working yeah it's also uh, i love these images of hulk pounding on the wall and and rick jones just standing outside it's scary yeah it's like this incredibly strong person just trying like heck to get out and you are the person in his way if he does yeah. Um, page two, we have a little flashback of that how, the story of how they set up this underwater chamber, the stuff I just said. And the bottom of page two, Rick Jones is convinced that the Hulk is secure in there and he goes home to get some rest and he's arrested by some army men. That's right. They grab him because, and, and this makes sense. This is a smart choice by General Thunderbolt Ross. 
Rick Jones has frequently gone into towns and said, I'll take care of the Hulk. Don't worry about it. So if you want the Hulk, get Rick Jones. It's true. And so the army has, you know, rounds him up and they bring him in and they're bringing him to General Thunderbolt Ross, my favorite character in American fiction. <laughs> uh, I'll tell J. Jonah Jameson you said so. Yep. No, it's no, J. J. Jonah Jameson is like the most rational person compared to Thunderbolt Ross. Like <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson suddenly seems like the most calm and cool and collected voice. I would love to see like a Barbara Walters style interview between J. Jonah Jameson's interviewing General <laughs> Thunderbolt Ross. It would just be screaming furious at each other. They would hate each other so much. It would be good television. One of them's trying to blame Spider-Man for everything. The other one's blaming Hulk. I think the problem with the deficit is Spider-Man. It's like, you're <laughs> crazy. It's the Hulk. <laughs> And I will blow him up in the entire western seaboard to prove it. I'll use all of the American military, which I seem to have complete control over, to destroy him. And James is like, well, I'll use the media empire of New York City. <laughs> Oof. Uh, what, what, that's nuts. So General Thunderbolt Ross has brought in Rick Jones, and it's to get to the Hulk, which we say does make sense. Rick Jones... Uh, says, uh, you, what is it, sir? You want to meet with me? And then what General Thunderbolt Ross says is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he he appeals to Rick. He says, look, this is about the security of the country. We have a, a new rocket. It mm -hmm. must be tested, but it's so powerful that if we put a man in there, he'll die. But the Hulk could survive. So basically, we, we want the Hulk to be the astronaut for this. Uh, yes. And, and you can you please bring in the Hulk to be an astronaut? Now, look, I saw the right stuff. I think the Mercury astronauts had to go through rigorous physical and psychological training to make sure mm -hmm. that they were not only up to the task physically, but of good character. You know, they yes. had they had to have gone to college. They had mm -hmm. to like have no criminal record. That's they had right. To be like perfect Americans. Or, yeah, like a Hulk, a Hulk type. Or be the Hulk, <laughs> who is a near sociopath. Yeah, and I mean, we find out that. Ross is lying, but it is a terrible sounding light. Like, I don't even understand how this rocket protects America. Why is having the Hulk in outer space going to help us protect us from the Russians? Yeah. Why do you, if a rocket ship is so powerful that a man can't ride in it, what is, what, what do we need it for? But Rick, Rick Jones is convinced. He's like, if it's to save the country, I'll do it. Rick Jones is a patriot. He's no commie. Mm -hmm. um, and so he agrees. And his way of getting the Hulk is to just, as we see on page four, is to just release him and then run away. Yeah, and he opens the up, Hulk chases he, him. He opens the chamber and then the Hulk like destroys it, opening <laughs> it because it's like now a jar and he can get a handhold. Yeah. So the Hulk breaks down this like ramrod that was holding the door in place and then chases Rick Jones because Rick Jones captured him. Yeah. And Rick Jones just flees for his life. Luckily, at this point in the story, the Hulk is slow. Yeah, the Hulk Despite kind of having the strongest legs of any creature known to man, he's slow. He walks slow. I think he's just taking his time. And he, and he also wants time to punch everything around him as he goes. Like yeah, he, if he walks, walks in by, punching Jeeps. He, he hates cars. Like if he's mm -hmm. near a car, the Hulk is smashing it. So he's approaching some bunker. Um, General Thunderbolt Ross is watching. <laughs> this, this I love. The Hulk is just loose and yeah. smashing things, and um, and uh, Rick and Thunderbolt Ross's reaction is so far so good. Yeah, this is all part of the plan. Yeah, Rick Jones gets in an elevator, and the Hulk like hangs on the bottom of it, <laughs> brings him up to the top of the rocket ship. Rick Jones leaves his coat 
in the capsule and then hides as if the Hulk is like a cat yeah. or a dog. He's luring him into the capsule, but it works. It works and the easily. Hulk, it works super easy. The Hulk is lured into this capsule and they launch him into space. Before he can break his way out through what must be easy to break out of for the Hulk. Yeah. Um, so he's launched up into space. We see the rocket ship fly into space. And the bottom of page five, this is so few pages. <laughs> but it's such a drastic, there's so much that has to be done here for this change in the status quo they're trying to do. Um, that Thunderbolt Ross says. so complicated. This is, this is the end of the simple part of the story. Thunderbolt Ross says, we've done it. It worked. It's the end of the Hulk. He'll never return alive to menace Earth again. So he just like launched him into space to get rid of him. And I have to say, I don't think that's a bad idea given what he knows about the Hulk. Right. That's a good plan. He, he's hard to kill, but if you get him in outer space, you're safe. It, it makes sense. I mean, it's a bit drastic where it leaves a lot of questions unanswered. But if you're just trying to protect the Earth from the Hulk and there is a monster running around of seemingly mm-hmm. unlimited strength, launching him into space doesn't sound bad. And they don't know the Hulk turns into a human. They think he's the Hulk all the time. Right. Now, up in space, page six. You know, the spaceship now up above Earth is exposed to the sun's rays, which turns the Hulk at this point, turns the Hulk back into Bruce Banner, which mm-hmm. it does. So the Bruce now Bruce Banner wakes up in a spaceship, <laughs> which that's is this, kinda... it's the second time that's happened in two issues. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, wait, but there was also the first issue with Gargoyle didn't happen too. Oh yeah. He's always waking up in spaceships. It's happened every issue. <laughs> He turns into a monster and just wakes up in outer space. He must just be like, what is this guy doing every night that ends up in space? His weakness is the orbit. Getting space. It's hard to get into space. This is 1962. It's not like, but the Hulk's done it every week. (laughs) No man has gone to outer space. But Bruce Banner wakes up there as a regular course of action. So the ship is flying through the air and seemingly General Thunderbolt Ross has succeeded, but he didn't plan on something, which is a radiation belt. Yeah, it looks more a radiation. Like, it looks like the cosmic rays that zapped the FF. Yeah, they're not named that, but it seems like they might be because it even says at one point uh, they refer to them as fantastic changes that happened to the banner here. Yeah, and it's just like, but, you know, we know Stan Lee's thing is it's always radiation. It's just radiation from a bomb or a belt of radiation or a spider. It's like there's always just radiation gives you superpowers. So Bruce um, Banner wakes up in a spaceship. (laughs) Goes through an Bruce Banner, who's already been irradiated by gamma rays. Yes. Goes through the radiation belt, gets bathed with different radiation. Um, and it starts doing something to him. We don't know what yet. We don't know what yet. And meanwhile, back on Earth, Rick Jones finds out that he's been trapped. This was tricked. not about America. Yeah, a trick, it's a trick. Tricked. He wasn't. This wasn't about American securities. About getting rid of the Hulk, and he and he's betrayed the Hulk. Yeah. So Rick Jones goes to like a computer system to try to get the rocket to land back on Earth because he's a teenager. He can figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but he touches the controls at the same time that Banner is irradiated. I guess. I mean, this is the thinnest logic of a book where there's all kinds of insane stuff. But because Rick happened to be touching a computer panel while the ship was going through that radiation belt, there is an, a, like a shock that is transmitted from the ship to Rick Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, but he know. succeeds in sending the rocket back to Earth as well. He is able, within seconds, <laughs> to master a computer. A man, I don't think Rick's gone to college. 
That's right. Okay. I know that he can operate a ham radio because that's going to be a big part of the story in a couple issues. And I know that he wears a tie. But I don't think that he's a computer expert. But you wouldn't know it from this because in one panel, he figures out how to land a spaceship remotely. And in the same state he's in now. He brings it right back to where he is. So this ship, because of Rick Jones controlling, is plunging back through the atmosphere to either Arizona or New Mexico, wherever they are. Um, it crashes hard. It crashes hard, yeah. And so if he's Banner, and this is the daytime, so we think it's Banner. Banner would not survive that crash. Yes. But, but he's then, not Banner. The Hulk rips out of the rocket. Yep. Confusing Rick Jones because you're not supposed to have the Hulk during the day. Right. And so Banner, uh, Hulk rather goes to kill Rick Jones. Which but he immediately always, starts throwing rocket parts at him. There's a huge hull of a, of a destroyed spaceship at Rick Jones. He's always wanting to destroy Rick Jones. Yeah. Um, I mean, panel four of page eight, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Rick is like climbing up a rock face, like whatever, whatever you call it, like no cables, like just free zeros, free solo style, just like scrambling up the side. And... Um, Free solo? I didn't see it. I assume that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah, it's either. Yeah, it's got to be about that. It's got to be about running away from the Hulk. And the Hulk is catching up to him on the edge of some cliff. And, and the, the Hulk, Hulk screams, "Now revenge!" And Rick covers his face and says, "No, no." And the top of page nine is saying, "Stay back, please stop." And then realizes the Hulk is listening to him. Yeah, the Hulk stops immediately and stands still and waits for his next order. And Rick Jones realizes that because of that shock. The Hulk is under his command. and yeah, if He, he picks gets, up on that fast. He, I mean, Rick Jones should be an engineer or like some kind of scientist because he deciphered a computer panel, landed a ship. He immediately figured out what was going on with the Hulk. He's actually, he, he built an undersea chamber. I think now he did that whole thing and Banner didn't help. I think that Banner might be an idiot and Rick Jones is the genius. Uh, anyway, Rick Jones has the Hulk under his command and so he rides the Hulk down piggyback down the mountain. Yep. Um, and he doesn't know what to do, so he decides to take a nap. So yeah, he goes to the Rick Jones cabin that we've never seen before uh, and, and puts the Hulk in the corner and says, uh, you hang out here. I got to get some sleep. This, and this then, is so funny. This is the funniest page to me. Um, okay. I love this whole comic. Rick Jones says, don't move. Goes to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is crazy. It's crazy. And then also, wakes up and there is a Hulk-sized hole in the wall. <laughs> so he's like, "Whoops!" <laughs> goes chasing through the hole and then he goes to town and the Hulk is just going ape shit. Yeah, the Hulk is swinging an electrical pole with the wires flailing, <laughs> knocking buildings over, and Rick Jones shows up like, "Oh man." I mean, what's the Hulk's plan here? He just like, wants to go into town and mess things up. He didn't. Also, he had a chance to kill Rick Jones, and he didn't do it. Yeah, he left. Um, so Rick gives him a direct order, which a Hulk immediately responds to, and says, By flying. We got, and he says, "Get, we got to get out of here." And so the Hulk grabs him and flies away. Yeah, the captions talk about how the Hulk leaps. Yeah, this a leap is which carries him over the top of the tallest building, a leap propelled by the most powerful muscles of any living thing on Earth. The drawing looks like he's flying, but the caption says he's jumping. Yeah. Um, and so they get away from this town that the Hulk was partway through destroying. Rick Jones puts him back in the chamber, locks it up, 
And now he sits there and is like, what am I going to do now? And that's kind of the end of the first half. Yeah, and that's a great last panel. Again, this sad scene of Rick Jones going, uh-oh, this is not This is bad news. Anytime I go to sleep, the Hulk wrecks things. There's also a quick throwaway line that Rick Jones, somewhere during the last 12 hours, repaired the giant uh, a steel ramrod that holds the door in place. Rick Jones should get a scholarship to MIT or should be like hired by Tony Stark who died. I mean, the Hulk wrecked this chamber and it's back in working order already. Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah. Rick Jones is something special off, off screen. He pulled off an engineering phenomenon. Yeah. So that's part one. This is like a three part story really. Yeah. Because part two is sort of a recap uh, again of the origin of the Hulk. We get a yeah, we get a recap of the origin. We see about how Banner saved Rick Jones from the gamma rays. He got bathed and then he turned into a Hulk. They made the undersea chamber. We get yet another recap of the undersea chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the that's really all of part two. Just kind of summarizing summarizing that exposition. Yeah, and again, like I think because this comic wasn't selling great, and they just couldn't expect everyone to know what the Hulk's deal was. You sort of do need to get this recap in there a lot. I don't mind recapping stuff from previous issues. I do think like page 14 shows Banner and Rick Jones once again, explaining about locking the Hulk in the chamber. And that is in this issue. Yeah. We don't need that. But at least they don't recap the radiation from the first part. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Then remember I went up in that spaceship and got bathed in a second radiation. And then remember you were remembering. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and th- now we enter into the third part, which is, I mean, just as ridiculous, if not more ridiculous than what we've just gone over. Yes. Uh, it's the Ringmaster. And is yeah. this the debut of the Ringmaster? I think it is. I think this is where the Ringmaster starts. Because the Ringmaster also ends up fighting Spider-Man a couple times. So we have read Ringmaster stories, but this one came first. This one. Yes, we're the Ringmaster fights Spider-Man when he teams up with Daredevil and then the... The Ringmasterless Circus, whatever they called themselves, the Masters of Menace or something, uh, the also fought Spider Man. The Circus of Crime is what they called themselves when they I went think so. solo. I think so. Uh, when they were led uh, by no. the Clown. <laughs> You're right. They had a different name. But yeah, this is their first appearance. Um, they're a very successful criminal organization initially. They're, they're massively successful because their leader, the Ringmaster, has a hat. That can hypnotize, truly hypnotize hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, whoever looks at his hat. Um, I mean, they also put on a circus that plays the sold out crowds every night. This is, yeah, this is one of the things where the cover operation is also impressive. Um, yeah. It's like the Kingpin seems to have an actually like pretty effective construction project, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. thing going on. Um, or, you know, where like some, you know, the vulture he has the power of flight, but he just uses it to steal jewelry or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this okay. is even this is like, this would be like if the vulture also had a hit television show. <laughs> right. So we open on a town full of immobilized people and two uh, detectives trying to figure out what's going on. A whole town has been robbed and everyone's frozen. There's a series of towns like this, and the only thing they have in common is there's a circus poster. There, there's a the same circus posters up in all the towns. Yeah, so the circus has gone through all these towns. It's a link. And we, we go to, to the, the circus, circus, yeah, and, and it's, it's a smash hit. 
It's huge. It's uh, so much is going on. It looks like the greatest circus I've ever seen. Yeah, there's the clowns a, and elephants and trapeze artists all at the same time. Yeah, like if the first panel on page seventeen. This, I mean, this circus is it? Does it? Is it like five minutes long? Like, do they just release <laughs> all of the acts at the top and everybody does them all simultaneously? Then it's over in ten minutes. But people are like, "Well, I, I can't complain. They did everything." Well, I mean, b- before that ten minutes is over, you're hypnotized for the rest <laughs> of your week or whatever. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> right. The ringmaster. I mean. Marvel Comics has the most effective hypnosis of anywhere. Like yeah. when you go under, you're under for the rest of your life, and people and can tell you to do. Everyone whatever. goes under. Everybody. It instantly affects everybody. The, so we see that they're hypnotizing the crowds, and then they're like robbing everybody individually. You know, like looting everybody's wallets and purses and watches and stuff like that. And then they just go through the town, which means the whole town went to the circus. Right, they go through the whole town, and anybody, a the few people who attendance. aren't there, they just hypnotize those people too. And they round everything up, they put it all into their circus, th- which I think, how do they have room for all the stuff? I mean, if you rob like four apartments, you got a lot of stuff. Yeah, these people have robbed at least, as far as we know, three towns. They pile it into their circus right? wagons. And um, it's funny to me that the cops are like, the only link is this circus poster. And it's like, there's, you got to be able to do better than that. They took everything. Like, I mean, where's the ringmaster selling his goods? I don't know. I this don't is, think things have been thought I'm through. I'm just, I'm rereading. This is the fourth town they've hit. So that's a ton of money. They should stop. After one. There's only like, there's only, there's only like six of them. <laughs> they've done four towns now. They've done four towns. And, and they're walking are, away with like safes. These are all <laughs> yeah, what the dude's carrying is safe. Um, and he's wearing six hats. Like, leave the hats. Come you don't on. Need the hats. That's so buy, mean. Buy your own hats. You got a safe. You got a safe full of money. Buy your own hats. Imagine waking up and your safe is gone, and then you go, like, well, I'll just wear one of my hats to cheer <laughs> myself up, and they're all gone. Well, at least I'll get my painting. Oh, the painting and my lamp. What about your bags of money with dollar signs on them? Somebody They'll took be- those, too. Oh, boy. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about or the format of the show or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. So, yeah, the, the, this operation's going well. We cut back to the Hulk, and he is immobilized and under the power of Rick Jones. Here's yet another thing in this comic I don't make, that doesn't make sense to me. On page, is this 19? Yeah. Page 19. Rick Jones orders the Hulk to stand still and says, well, as long as I'm awake, the Hulk won't move. Um, so I just have to stay awake. But it's like, wait a minute. You also have this chamber that holds him. Put him in yeah, there. He didn't, he didn't seem to want to sleep while he was in the chamber, which seems silly. Yeah, it's like you know that chamber holds him. Anyway, the Hulk anyway, is Another not- crazy thing. The orphan Rick Jones goes to visit his aunt. <laughs> he has an aunt who seems to have known him his whole life. So this... Orphan has a stable nuclear family. Yeah, his um, Aunt Polly, who I don't know if we ever see again. 
Um, yeah, well, not anytime soon. But he goes to see his Aunt Polly. He washes his face. That's to wake himself up. And then <laughs> he decides to go to the circus. <laughs> Feels like bad timing. You got a lot going on, Rick. Yeah, take a, at least just go for a walk. I mean, like, you don't need all the stimulation. Just yesterday, you gained control of the strongest creature on the planet. And you, you're going to go check out a show? On the same day that you hijacked a spaceship back to Earth and repaired a steel rod on an undersea <laughs> chamber. I mean, Today Rick you're needs going a to break. A he needs a vacation. He needs a break, but I think going to the circus is a bad choice. He goes to a circus, and the ringma- he happens to go to one with the ringmaster, and so the ringmaster hypnotizes the whole crowd, including Rick Jones. Yes. <laughs> And in the last seconds before Rick Jones goes under, he summons the Hulk. Yes. Which means he not only can give vocal out loud commands Mm -hmm. to the Hulk, he can telepathically communicate with the Hulk. That's right. Over a long distance. And because he's hypnotized and neither awake or asleep, the Hulk doesn't go crazy in this scenario. Oh, is that what the Hulk just shows up to save Rick Jones? Even though Rick Jones is out, he can follow that last command. He's not free from his mental orders. So the Hulk is jumping slash flying over a long distance, but he doesn't stop to smash every car along the way or swing every telephone pole because he's sort of just under the command to go go to Rick. That's right. But Uh, they hit him with a fire hose. uh, Before we get to the fire hose, the bottom of page 20, when when the guy shoots out of the cannon. Yeah. The first, uh, they see the Hulk. They don't know what this thing is. Guy goes into a cannon holding a hammer. <laughs> yeah. And they fire him out of the cannon at the Hulk. That's right. <laughs> it's the most circusy response. It's like no one's got a gun. We got the only, your first move is to fire a dude out of a cannon. And if that doesn't work, we'll get the clown car. We'll fit him in there. Uh, what I love is the guy with the shot out of the cannon goes flying at the Hulk, and the next panel is just this dude being punched up through the top of the circus tent. Yeah, you see his far. hammer. You see his hammer flying away. I mean, he should be dead, right? If you hit a human being hard enough that he projectiles up through the roof of the circus tent and then goes up another like fifty yards, he's dead, right? And that human being was going the speed of a bullet. <laughs> uh, we don't know what happens to him. The Hulk back at the circus gets hit with a fire hose, which works. Yep, he's out. <laughs> Knocks him unconscious. They wrap him up in a net, which also works. They start they 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 tie up the Hulk as their prisoner. Yes. And then they go and do another circus. No. Yeah, they do. They go and do another circus and they just add the Hulk to their act. Yeah. <laughs> That didn't I mean, slow him down at I mean, all. A monster, a monster shows up outside of your circus, not like a tiger or something recognizable, like a big green man mm-hmm. who talks. And you're like, get him in the act. Yeah. I mean, I at mean, this point in the ringmaster's life, he must feel indestructible. <laughs> they have now robbed four towns. They're going to their fifth town. He captured the Hulk with a fire hose. Nothing goes wrong for them. Yeah, he can't lose. So while they're in the middle of this, the fifth town, actually Rick Jones's was the fifth town. This is the sixth town because this is the first town after the Rick Jones. I think Rick Jones was the fourth town. They did three towns when the FBI guys were investigating. You're right. You're right. Okay, so this is town number five that we know of. There might be some that we're not the FBI guys don't know about. 
So as they're doing time number five, Rick Jones and the FBI guys show up. And yeah. that is kind of interesting to me because like there's been three other towns. Some of those people have woken up, right? And they must yeah. be like, I was at the circus and it happened. Then I woke up and the circus was gone. The town was gone and all my hats were gone. <laughs> Um, yeah, there should have been a bunch of hatless witnesses, but Rick Jones seems to be the first one who's gone to the FBI guys with the info. So now they show up. Rick Jones is here. And since he's here, the Hulk is no longer docile. He breaks free. Yeah. The Hulk immediately starts fighting an elephant. <laughs> uh, and the ringmaster jumps on a chariot led by horses to escape. But the Hulk love- catches him with a giant uh, pole. He grabs a trapeze mask that's holding up a tent and just and like grabs the ringmaster like he's got like big salad tongs. Yeah. Uh, the ringmaster is a coward. He instantly confesses and begs to be rescued. The army pours in. Um, yeah, to capture the Hulk. But Rick Jones grabs the Hulk and they jump up through the tent and then clearly fly away. Yeah, I mean, they, those last... Three panels, or two of the th- last three panels. Hulk makes turns in the air. <laughs> like, all the other ones you could sort of look, it's like, oh, it looks sort of like he's, he's like, his position is like he's flying, but he could just jump and get into a flying pose. Yeah, this could one, just be that. The, the motion lines show him take a turn. <laughs> and they fly off into the sunset. Rick Jones riding on the Hulk's back. And that's the end of the issue. <laughs> With a weird... Non sequitur panel in between of uh, Thunderbolt Ross screaming <laughs> that he will he'll capture the Hulk someday. Yeah, I, uh, this is the most rational Thunderbolt Ross has ever been. Like he's right, capture the Hulk. The Hulk's out of control. <laughs> he's, um, flying, he's flying around with a kid on his back. So now he turns into the Hulk whenever he needs to. He's just a Hulk always. Oh, he hasn't gone back to Banner. That's right. Oh, right. He's okay. stuck as the Hulk, even in the daytime. And Bannard and, and Rick Jones just controls him. That's the new okay. status quo. Oh, yeah. Rick's not even that concerned that Banner's trapped in some limbo land or something like that. Yeah. Oh, Banner's right. gone well, for all we That's issue care. three. That's issue three. Yeah. Should we pick our it favorite is... dialogue in art? Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. Yes, we should. But I uh, don't know what I'll pick. It's all so great. The art all does look really good. Um I'm going to pick a pen. You know, sometimes with these panels, I like to pick ones that like really like stuck with me. Like as we're rereading them, I'll be like, oh, I remember as a kid, like, you know, loving this Mm -hmm. panel or that panel or whatever like that. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to do the one that made me laugh the most. It's not even necessarily the best drawn. This one just made me laugh the most. Page 10, panel five, Hulk swinging a telephone pole around. (laughs) I mean, I will say that one has stuck with me. That's very memorable, that panel. Yeah, so that's my pick um, for best art. I'm going to pick, just because it's so ridiculous, the uh, the shot of the circus in action. So that is page 17, the first panel, where you have two clowns jumping, a guy on a horse, <laughs> someone like uh, uh, climbing a pole, another person hanging from a, a line, a lady on an elephant, the ringmaster in the center, all these balloons being let off all at the same time. <laughs> Love it. It's a great circus. I'm not even a circus guy, and I'd go to that circus. And I know uh, you get hypnotized, and you'd still do it. You just, yeah, just do don't it. bring your just don't bring your wallet. I can't miss a show like that. Um, buy your tickets online and uh, leave your cash at home, and go for, you know see the ringmaster. Let him put you under it for a week. You get a week off work. It's like jury duty. 
Um, my favorite dialogue is going to be Th- General Thunderbolt Ross's lie to Rick Jones. So page three, panel six. Out there on the launching pad is America's newest, most important missile. It must be tested. But there isn't a man living who could stand the G-force of, of the force of its G-pull except the Hulk. That's That just makes me laugh. I know it's a uh, lie, but it's, it's so crazy. I'm going to pick... Rick Jones figuring everything out when he realizes he controls the Hulk, he says, but whatever, <laughs> but whatever it was, it's made the Hulk my servant. I'm his master. Me, Rick Jones, master of the mightiest creature on earth. <laughs> I like that. It's a pretty rational thought process for a kid who's had a pretty irrational day. So those are our panels. And um, mm-hmm. should we do some email? Yeah, we got a ton of emails, Will, uh, so I can do a few, and we can save okay. more for uh, the next one we do, because we'll probably do one in short order. Okay. Uh, Andrew Jernigan, uh, he says, I wanted to let you know that your Spider-Man podcast is the reason I got into podcast. It was the first one I ever listened to. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, so I apologize for that. Uh, he recommends us covering the beginning of Iron Man. Okay. Since he, was, since he wasn't originally the main star of Marvel. Uh, if we went to do something recent, he thinks the Superior Spider-Man arc or Edge of the Spider-Verse arc would be fun. What do you okay. think? And I mean, we'll probably do stuff that we've read already read, and I haven't really read the original Iron Man stuff. Yeah, I've but, only read issue one, I think. But we keep changing our minds about what we'll do on the show, so anything is possible. That's right. Um, uh, he also appreciates how we say artist and then writer for these titles, which I don't think we'd always do, but it definitely is true for these original ones. Yes, I mean, it's case-by-case basis. I think sometimes the collaboration is extremely equal, and sometimes the writer is way more mm-hmm. the director than the than the artist. But for these Kirby Lee ones and Kirby Ditko, I think it makes total sense to say the artist first. Yeah. Here's a question from Lewis Ryan. Okay. I think I've come up with the ultimate Hulk question that has hopefully never been asked before. Okay. You ready for this, Will? I am ready. Who would win in a fight, Ben Graham or Bruce Banner? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's right. I've never heard that. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, it is an easy question. Um, Bruce Banner, he would use his science knowledge to, you know, develop Kung Fu chops and take up Ben Grimm. No, um, I think Ben Grimm football star would have his way with milksop Bruce Banner. Yeah, I think one punch. I think uh, yeah. Banner would be down. Um, it is a very funny. <laughs> it's phrased as such an important question. Um, and pitting the Hulk versus thing is... Pretty typical. <laughs> it's like Sam and Diane. Will they, won't they throw a yard sale? It's like, oh, I didn't think we were going to go there. Um, S- Scott Rogers uh, sent us an email. He tweets at us a fair amount. Uh, well, you brothers made me do it. I finally read the Hulk. <laughs> uh, his only exposure to the Hulk was a reprint of Avengers 1, where he called everyone puny, said bah a lot, and was defeated by stinging ants. Um <laughs> Uh, they talked about the TV show a little bit. Uh, it was fair to say that the Hulk was my second least favorite Marvel character after Thor for decades. Right. I didn't start liking the Hulk until the Avengers movies, and I even ended up liking Thor in those, too. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, when you said you were going to cover the Hulk, I said, bah, but just like something else green, I finally tried them. And you know <laughs> what? I liked them. They were pretty yeah. good. Wacky and uneven, but good. And now the first six issues of John Byrne's She-Hulk run makes much more sense to me. So thanks for that. <laughs> I love She-Hulk. Uh, 
Yeah, I haven't really read the John Byrne She-Hulk. I know you I'm, read that when it came out. I read a lot of it, yeah. Um, it's really fun. Yeah. I know someone wrote in, uh, another one of our emails, talks about that he does a, uh, a spoof of the Toad Man story. Oh, I forgot about that. That's funny. Uh, he recommends Alpha Flight, The Elementals, Detective Comics, 469 to 476, and Ditko's Blue Beetle. Oh, interesting. You, uh, had me, you got me on Blue Beetle. Yeah, I mean, I'd be excited to do those. Blue Beetle and The Question. We could do all the original Ditko stuff. It's not that much. Um, yeah. If we were que- going to do something we haven't really read a lot of. Yeah. Question, I read some, and it's really good. I mean, there's only like five stories. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to save this one for our next podcast. Ooh, suspenseful. Um, what about this one? Oh, speaking of, after reading... Um, the Hulk's encounter with a toad man from, oh, this is, sorry, from uh, Kevon, Kevon Patrick. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Okay. Uh, after reading Hulk's encounter with a toad man from outer space in issue two and listening to your episode on it, I was filled with a feeling of deja vu. So I went back and sure enough, both FF2 and Amazing Spider-Man 2 involved their respective heroes fending off alien invasions. That's right. From the scrolls and whatever lame race the tinkerer was working with. So is this just a Marvel thing in the 60s to tell a relatively grounded sci-fi origin story in issue one before immediately raising the stakes to the planetary level in issue two? Does this pattern follow Ant-Man and Iron Man? It's a good question. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know, and I'll never know because I'm not going to read Ant-Man. But um, yeah. that is a good question. I mean, Thor would be the next one to check because he's the, he's the next hero. So, and I think those are relatively okay comics, but I'm also, I haven't read those, so I can't answer. Yeah. These are good uh-huh. questions I can't answer. Yep. We've already, we're way over our heads. Uh, he demands that you make The Enforcers as a movie. Ooh. He thinks it should not be a TV show. He says, go for, go for the movie. Okay. I love it. So, so scrap those Netflix plans. I know you were so close to those happening. I might, well, maybe I'll write up the Enforcers movie. I think it'd be pretty fun. And also the version I have in my head, stupid and easy. <laughs> uh, here's a great question from Mike San, Santacaga, Santa, okay. Santagata, I think is okay. closer to it. My question is this. In a three-on-three basketball game between the Enforcers and the Frightful Four, minus Medusa, because she would probably try to lose the game, who do you think would win? <laughs> What a fun game. Um, gosh, I think that the wizard would somehow lose instantly. I mean, the wizard is so fun to watch lose. They have more power, right? The Sandman alone should be able to win a three-on-three basketball game against <laughs> the enforcers, you'd think. I don't know. If Montana, like, lassos the ball and, like, whips it. <laughs> Full court right in. I mean, the Sandman could make a wall around their basket. That'd be goaltending. That'd be two Is points it? for the Not enforcers. Not if it's going up. Yeah, if the wall blocks it going up, it's all right. But he can't just put a wall around the basket because if you if you shoot it, if if uh, Fancy Dan judo chops a jump shot <laughs> on its way down, uh-huh. that's goaltending. I mean, the wizard would not, probably be wearing his... The wizard can fly. He still yeah, has the dribble. Be, that would make it tricky. And he has wonder gloves. Well, I think that's he's going to get called for traveling. Mm-hmm. I think Sandman's going to get called for goaltending. Pace, Pace Pot, Pot Pete. Pete. I, don't know, I don't know how that's useful. <laughs> I don't know how making the ball sticky is going to help. Because you have to let go of the ball to dribble it or do anything. 
Fancy Dan is short, but I bet he's a great basketball player other than his shortness. He's going to be a good point guard. He's going to call the plays. I think the enforcers might have this in a route, and you can't block out Ox. The guy's all muscle. You can't budge him. He could sound in the paint, one foot in the key. Give me a break. He'll post up on you all day. I think Montana is going to be a three-point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's, he's got accuracy, right, because uh, lassoing uh, things from a distance. He should be able to uh, transpose those skills of throwing the basketball in the hoop. I'm assuming you can use the rope. If you are allowed to lasso the basketball. Yeah, you can use your powers. So his power I'm gonna give is it to the enforcers. Rope. I'm going to give it to the enforcers because I actually think the Frightful Four are too powerful. I think the I think the frightful I think it's a closer match than you think. I think the frightful four take off to an early lead, uh, but it ends with the wizard collapsed in the center of the court, <laughs> utterly defeated. Um, he'll he'll foul out for sure. Who's gonna ref? Who would they all respect? The kingpin's um, got a ref or something like that. Uh, maybe the big man. <laughs> That's right, Frederick Foswell. Just one of the fifteen guys in the original Spider-Man who rounded up all the crime gags and said he was in charge. Uh, do we have time for more? Let's do let's do one more. Okay. Um, we can do two. Here's a quick one. Okay. Uh, Dean Spencer wrote, because we had made a comment that Batman never used a gun. Yeah. And he uh, goes, actually, in the 30s, uh, some of his 40s appearances, he used a gun regularly, and I'm pretty sure he even killed people. Okay. Uh, I think that's true, but I think what I meant by that was that Batman, the character, the current character never used a gun in his life. It became part of the mythology that Batman won't use guns. Yeah. I, I, I remember seeing those early ones where Batman uses a gun when he's just kind of more like generic crime fighter dude. Definitely by the 60s of this era of comics, it was known that Batman had never would not use a gun, I think. Right. Uh, Robert Christ, uh, uh, a frequent emailer, wrote us a, a fun email talking about, about Hulk. And I'm going to read this and then I'm going to tell my own anecdote about the Hulk. Um, so I teach PE and I have a pre K to 12 class. These cuties in pre K are great while as, uh, uh, wily as heck, but cute as a box full of kittens and puppies. Uh, so one of them, for whatever reason today, froze his brow, throws on the biggest mad face, bumps his knuckles together in the middle of his chest and says, Hulk smash. He then proceeds to chase other kids. Uh, we were doing a chase game, but this kid was not it. Uh, and then he would punch them, but like with an overhead arm motion going downward, like he was smashing something. It was beautiful. I mean, the Hulk connects to people. People get it. And I was going to say, like, I, I just showed my son, Cameron, who's a big Hulk fan. He wanted to see the Hulk on TV. So I played him some clips from Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which is an animated series uh -huh. uh, that I really enjoyed that adapted the uh, Avengers cartoon, uh, the Avengers characters. And in it, I think they do a pretty good Hulk. And so I showed him those. Uh, first of all, he loved it. <laughs> Later on, he, was, he, he watched two scenes. He watched one where the Hulk was fighting Absorbing Man, and then Ooh. Hawkeye and Black Widow show up, and the Hulk also fights them. <laughs> Uh, and then a later one where Hulk is recruited by Hawkeye to save the Avengers. And the Hulk does that by mostly fighting the Abomination. Um, and Cameron would be just say to me, Daddy, can I watch the Hulk fight the Abomination again? And that's a, a beautiful sound. Uh, after watching it, Hulk, he walked around growling at everything, going, grr, grr. And he would turn on light switches with a fist. So he was smashing it. And I had to keep telling him while watching it, it's like... 
you know, he's punching the abomination because the abomination's a bad guy. Right, right. I wanted to make it clear that punching is not okay. Um, but I do think that for all the, I mean, I love that story. That is adorable. But there is something just like so simple about a big angry monster who is your hero. Like it is, you know, it's an archetype. It's um, there, it's something mythic. Like for all the stuff they were changing around in these first six issues, and they were just crazy, and they're still the craziest one yet to come. Yeah, um, they did get one thing right, which is just the visual of the Hulk rampaging through town. Anybody, including three-year-olds, look at that and are like, "I get it." Yeah, I get it. Um, uh, Robert and also it, adds a little question to his email that I'm going to ask us. Well, oh, did you want to say something else about kids? Nope. Um, are you guys upset that the films are changing the popularity, importance, ethos of certain characters from what they started as? That's an interesting question. So like, are we mad that like Iron Man is the center of the Marvel universe? Um, you know, I've had that impulse. I do feel a little territory to the Marvel universe as I became, as I knew it, you know, the one that I have affection for, but that that's, that's a momentary prideful reaction. And really I don't mind because it's happening when the movies are good. Like Iron Man has become a, you know, arguably the most popular fame slash famous character in the Marvel universe, or at least, you know, one of, but that's because Iron Man is that Iron Man movie was so good. And Robert Downey Jr. was so good. So it's like, it's fair. Like if the story is good enough in the movie, the character becomes popular. I think that's totally legit. It's very interesting to me because Iron Man was a C-list character at best when we were reading comics. Yes. And not only is he like now an A-list character, he also is like the center of the Avengers universe. Yeah. Um, he is the leader of the team. He is he finances them, he he puts it together, he takes it from Nick Fury and makes it his own thing, takes his tower, like they live in his tower. Um, yeah, Ultron is as a Tony Stark villain, not a Hank Pym villain like he is in the comics. Yeah, the Vision is created somewhat by uh, Tony because it's his AI. It's like the Vision is part Tony Stark instead right. of being um, like part a Wonder Man or whatever. Right, uh, it's all simpler. Uh, and I don't mind. Maybe part of that is because I don't. I didn't have any strong feelings about Iron Man. Yeah. So like making him cooler doesn't bother me. And like, I don't necessarily think Spider-Man should be the center of the Marvel universe. I don't think the Hulk should be the center of the Marvel universe. It's a shame that the Fantastic Four aren't the original superheroes. Yeah. Uh, and I feel a little sad that at some point they'll be added. And I just don't think they'll ever feel like the original heroes. But that's a but pretty that's, small, I don't care yeah. that much about that. Like if the FF were added and the movie was good and somebody figured out a way for the FF to exist that was sort of like, you know, honoring what we love about them in the comics and yet working in the MCU, that's way more important to me than them coming first, for example. I will say I do have a complaint, and I guess it's that Iron Man is so important to the Spider-Man story. And I have complained about that. Like, that does bother me that I watch these movies. It doesn't feel necessary. Both those movies are all about how, how will Spider-Man live up to Iron Man's hopes? And uh, in the second movie, how will he live up to his legacy? And it's like, I'd rather have him not care. That shouldn't be a thing. But 
that's a small it's at the end of the day i love those movies so it's a small complaint but it, it, yeah those scenes bug me when he gets too tony stark centric it does seem weird because i'm like this is spider-man like this is the character that the audience does know like you don't yeah. need to link him to like if you're trying to get everybody on board with wonder man you know <laughs> yeah or like or like a more obscure marvel comics character it kind of makes sense you'd have iron man there to sort of like bolster you know to link him but yeah. spidey we know spidey like people know spidey like you you're don't not gonna need, you don't, you're not gonna you link ultron to michael douglas's ant-man <laughs> right it'd be just too complicated and who cares link him to right. the most interesting uh marvel character but yeah a spider-man can work without tony stark or with a minimal like spider-man yeah. wanting to be in the avengers okay fine but everything yeah. else i don't need um but that's maybe it other than that i really haven't had any complaints about the changes and there are a lot there are a lot of changes yeah. like it, I, shield I, and nick fury are more important i think in the movies than they ever were in the comics yeah, they're they're more in the comics. They're more like just now and then they show up, but they're like a major framing device in the MCU. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, but I, you know, I think if it basically the changes in importance come from stories and movies being good, and so I think that's fair, and they deserve it. It's it's just like how when Wolverine was introduced, he was just one of the X Men, one of the new X Men, not introduced, but you know. Yeah. Um, early in his appearances. And he sort of clicked more than a lot of the other characters. And after five years, Wolverine's one of the most popular characters at Marvel Comics. That came because the Wolverine stories were better. You yeah. Know, that it, Frank Miller miniseries was great. And like, it's that's just, that's just social, that's just story Darwinism. Yeah. Daredevil has become a huge character because of Frank Miller's Daredevil, not because of. Daredevil was a, is a meaningless character pre Frank Miller, right? So yeah, if it happens from a good story, then great. It's yeah. all it's all and, the better. And for I guess everybody. this this all could have happened if like there was a great Iron Man comic book. It's yeah. harder to imagine, but like if there was just a great Iron Man run, he would have become central to the Avengers because of that. That's right. Uh, it just you know it was much easier to cast Robert Downey Jr. and make that happen. Yep. Uh, that's all we're gonna read today. Will. Um, great. Well, thanks for the emails, everybody. So you can, like Kevin said at the beginning of this uh, episode, you can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram, screwitcomics, and a Twitter account, screwitcomics. Then there is also a second Instagram account called screwitrecent, where Kevin just goes over comics he's reading, and my brother is a voracious and... Um, discerning comic book readers. So he has really interesting stuff on that. I recommend you follow both those Instagram accounts. Yeah. Screw recent comes out in bursts. Whenever I have time, uh, screw comics. I'm trying to stay up with, uh, it's easier now that we're doing one issue an episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I re- recommend you guys out there, uh, fo- follow that. And, um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. And I guess we're done. Yeah. We'll see you guys for issue four. Um, See you guys for issue four. Goodbye, everybody. Good job, Kevin. Bye, Will. Good job. Enjoy Oslo. Thank you. Comics. (laughs) 
Hey, we're Mega the Podcast, and we are a completely improvised satire of a fictional megachurch. And we have some good news. We're doing a live show in Denver. Monday, February 24th at 8 p.m. at the Voodoo Comedy Theater. Tickets are on sale right now, so head over to voodoocomedy.com and get yours. And if you don't live in Denver, send your friends who do live in Denver. Tell it on the mountain, y'all. We have people flying in for the show, so it's going to be good. That's right. Denver, February 24th at voodoocomedy.com. Be there. <laughs>